for lunch today. On the right side, fried chicken and watermelon at Ikea on Juneteenth. Ikea, what were you thinking? The conversation's coming up during this episode. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to my second act. My name is Donna. I'm Caddy's wife. I want to talk about shorts. Like okay. shorts. I know you're going to think this is crazy, but like, okay. Let's talk about men's shorts first, and then we're going to talk about women's shorts. Men's shorts, like the Bjorn Borg, do y'all know who that is? Like they play tennis or, okay. Well, he had like the flowing blonde locks mm. and like John McEnroe. Okay, shorts are back to like the 80s. Like men's shorts, they're super short, like teeny tiny. And you were saying to me, you can't wear those shorts. Well, no. Uh, Can most grown men wear those kind of shorts? They should not if they are. Okay. And then women's shorts, this is the the problem I'm having. When you're a woman over a certain age, I just cannot, I don't need to, you probably don't want to see it. Like I can't wear shorty shorts. Well, you shouldn't. You're a 54-year-old woman. Okay, we don't need to call out my age. Why do you do that every time? Okay, age is a number mentally we've talked about this i'm 32 but even at 32 i cannot wear these shorty shorts with your rear end hanging out so if i can't wear those and i don't want to wear like zookeeper shorts like i'm a docent you know at the zoo what do i wear culottes okay i'm not wearing a culotte so i think i'm just going to live in like rompers but i know anybody who's listening to this like for the summer it it's like everything that was old is back again like in clothes like white sneakers like we were talking about if you you know when you were rocking the white sneakers it wasn't a trend i set, well, I set the trend on it at music midtown at the job rule concert yeah yeah all right mm-hmm. but anyways so if, if anybody can offer any advice on like fashion and what's going on with the short situation that'd be helpful and they'll do that and like okay one uh, last thing what do you got there are these shorts right now that they're so hot and I'm trying to find them because they're not shorty shorts, but they're by free people. And if you have girls like our age, or even if you're like, you know, woman over 30, check into these free people shorts. They're, they remind me of like, they're like, um, they're like kind of like old school Nike shorts, but they're really good, but you can't find them anywhere. And if we find them, I think we should do like we tried to do with the Michael Phelps um, cereal. You know, we bought like a hundred boxes. And we still have them. Because we thought he was going to, like, that whole thing, he was going to be tainted from the Olympics, and we were going to make a lot of money. Right. It's kind of like the Tickle Me Elmo's when we bought 20 of those. Right. And, and we still, and have, we still them. have them. So if you find these shorts, we should buy a bunch of them. In bulk. Yeah. And then mark them up. Yeah. And make a profit. Yeah. Because that's what the chotes are all about. Well, and the other thing that I did the other day is I went through all of Will's old baseball cards because someone told me that baseball cards are worth a ton of money right now. And it took me like an hour and a half, and I totaled it all up on my, like, iPhone calculator, and I think we're at $3.43. Like, I couldn't find anything that was, like, worth anything. Right. That's the truth. Yeah. All right. There you have it. Noted. Um, All right. So, going into this episode of the My Second Act podcast, I just want you to know that I think this is the least prepared I have ever been in a studio. Just a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on. Um, But... Listen, sometimes the ones that aren't planned are the best. Donna would argue with that. You get nervous. Like, the run of show is like three pages. Yeah. Last episode, it was 26. So here we go. Here we go. Buckle up. Um, Ikea is catching a lot of shit as they should. 
for their Juneteenth menu. Uh, this was the Atlanta Midtown location of Ikea. Everybody knows Ikea. It's where you, you, know, you pay to put your own furniture together and, mm-hmm. and get blisters and blood. Um, they decided to observe Juneteenth this past weekend, which is to honor the perseverance of black Americans and acknowledge the progress yet to be made. Um, and it has to go back to slavery or something. Anyway, the special menu included the first day fried chicken, watermelon, mac and cheese, potato salad, collard greens, and candied yams. This can't be real. All food. I thought that it was a meme when I first saw it, and a, a sick meme, by the way. Uh, I, I thought that someone had created this. I didn't know that this actually happened until I started looking into it. There was someone at IKEA that thought that this was a good idea. Um, well, 33 workers did not, and they did not show up that day to work. And so the manager apologized via email. All right. And, and the manager said, we're going to make this good. We're going to do another Juneteenth menu tomorrow. Okay. The revised menu the following day, which would be June 20th, included collard greens, cornbread, mashed potatoes, and meatloaf. What Again, all foods that are stereotypical of or for the African-American community. Well, and here's what's weird about that. They're a Scandinavian company. Normally, when you go down there, people go down there for their weird meatballs. I mean, you know, in their thing, in their cafeteria, they have the meatballs. They have, like, salmon. They have all these really odd things that you probably don't want to eat in a furniture store to begin with. But supposedly, their cafeteria is pretty good. But it's so different than what they normally do that it's not even, like, a twist on their – I mean, it's a big twist on their menu. I just don't understand it. Sometimes in companies, you're just like – doesn't before they do something like that doesn't someone have to get that signed a tri- a off or sign vetted off. everything yeah. should have a triple sign off you yeah. know three people should have put their eyes on this and surely to god one of them would have said hold up let's 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 just do ham sandwiches you know but think about the levels that it had to go through someone had to come up with a menu someone had to check with the chefs who are going to be making this or the food service and then they had to get menus and signs made nowhere along the way someone didn't say uh, is that a good idea? It's very strange. Yes. Well, I'll tell you my Ikea story. What you got? So when Olivia and Charlotte were little, you know, we would go to Barnes & Noble or or even Target or whatever. And if you're new to the podcast, Olivia is our 17-year-old daughter, rising senior, and Charlotte is our 15-year-old, a rising sophomore. Correct. So I would take them out, and, and Olivia was not the best all the time at looking over her younger sister. So I just came up with this tagline. It probably wasn't really great, but I would say, make sure when you take Charlotte to the bathroom or wherever you go, hold her hand. And she'd be like, why? She's old enough to walk. I'm like, they are snatching kids at Ikea. So you just need to grab her hand. And the reason, this is not a really great thing, but the reason I said that is because unfortunately, Ikea is known as a place where there are kids that are taken. Okay. Because it's such, Cite your source. I've, well, I've never heard I'm this telling before. you, it is true because it's such a big facility that it, it, they just in Atlanta, unfortunately, is one of the number one cities, if not the number one city for sex trafficking. So there was some reasoning behind my thing. But I just kind of came up with this tagline, which probably wasn't the most appropriate thing, but to try to get Olivia to just watch over. Right. And it got to where they would repeat it back to me. Sure, Olivia would be like, I know, Mom, they're snatching kids at Ikea. I got her. OK, so fast forward, we had to get Olivia a desk. And this was like probably three years ago. And we went to Ikea and we're walking to the front door and Charlotte is like in the parking lot, won't go in. And I'm like, what is going on? She's like, they're snatching kids at Ikea. Why are we going in here? And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
So I had to tell him, like, I kind of made that up and all this stuff. So you have to be careful what you say to your kids. Well, especially when they feed it back to you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You cannot cheer at the Olympics. I wouldn't go. Why would you go? Well, I mean, I love the Olympics. Of course we all do. But I mean, if I can't cheer. Literally, the Japanese Olympic officials announced yesterday that you must be quiet at the Olympics. Now, the venues are locals only in 50% capacity. And now, not only can you not cheer, you must wear a mask, you must stay silent, and you must leave right after your event. This is because they say that the cheering, no cheering will mean less particles in the air, which in turn should help limit the spread of COVID-19. The chances, though, that happening are slim to none. And, and as we've seen at sporting events around the globe, I mean, look at the Hawks. Uh, you know, we're in Atlanta. We're cheering. Okay, but yeah, but uh, the State Farm Arena, you couldn't put another person in there. Sporting events around the globe have limited capacity, are are socially distanced fans, and they're allowed to cheer. I think that it's very doable, but for some reason, the Olympic officials are saying you can't cheer. So why would you go? So what happens when they walk out this year, like in the parade? Donna, you can't cheer. It's kind of like the city of Milton. You can't have fun. You can't dance. Stop. I'm sorry. But when they walk out into their look, like, you know, how they normally parade out, like what's going to happen? Right. How does that happen? Uh, In silence. But can they be near each other? Can they hoist each other? You know how that, like at the end of it, they put each other on like their shoulders. And that, that, and and that to me was always one of the yes. brightest and biggest moments of the Olympics is the Parade of Nations, I think is what it's yes. called. And it's where everybody walks in together and they're cheering and waving flags and, and they all have their, you know, their camera phones out, their iPhones out and they're doing yes. video of everybody and, and their little pictures and things like that. Uniforms? Yeah. So. Um, do you remember sitting here right now who the Olympic mascot was when it was in Atlanta? Lezzy. Okay. No, no, no. It was not Lezzy. Izzy. Scratchy? Who was it? It was... Um, Izzy. Izzy, yeah. Yeah. Remember you so cute? Okay. Oh, okay. The Olympics were 96 here in Atlanta. And you worked for the Urban Contemporary Station at the time, V103, the People's mm-hmm. Station. That's right. And V103, at the time, and they still do very well in the Atlanta radio ratings, but at the time, they were... Uh, you Nobody got anywhere close to V103. Not even Moby at Kicks got close to Frank Ski. And, and before Frank, it was... Uh, uh, you were Mike, Mike, Mike and uh, Carol, Carol, Carol and Mike, yeah. And uh, they were the morning team, and and so basically the city of Atlanta shut down during the '96 Olympics, and you guys would head straight into the fire and party all night and all day, all day and all night at these big corporate events. The Olympic sponsors throw these massive parties, huge, where you're encouraged to fall down. Yes. Um. And 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 so y'all would be up all night. I had just gotten to Atlanta in '94. And I was 19 years old. And so two years later, the Olympics come. I took vacation and went home. Who does that? It's the Olympics. They're in your city. I went to, back to North Carolina. Well, because I think that they were trying to, I mean, the, 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 the message was gloom and doom with traffic and people and crime and things. And I mean, I've been 21 years old at the time, I guess. And I was like, huh, I mean, it definitely was. I'm going home to see mama. Well, they gave us our, and this was like, like you said, it was 1996. They gave us laptops and they were like, oh, you guys can all work from home. And it was like. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, whatever, just a party, a party, like Burning Man. I mean, we would go to these events all day, and then we'd go all night, and it was like Prince was here, and this person was here. And, you know, when I worked at V103, Ludacris was Chris Bridges. But he was he, a DJ. He was a DJ. And, um, I mean, it was so much fun. Man, we had fun. 
Those were some fun times. When Donna worked at V103, she was Snow White. On the softball team. On the V103 softball team. Yes. Your, your jersey even says Snow That's White. That's right. Because you were the only Caucasian woman that worked. That's correct. At V103. That is correct. Anything else? No, it was a good time. You know, it was a good time. All right. There's nothing worse than when onion juice leaks into, um, you know, another part of you. I'm, I'm just not an onion person. And I bring this up because the other night we did, um, it's new to the dinner for a menu. It's a barbecue flatbread pizzas. And you hear us say that all the individual ingredients come in individual Ziploc bags and you can use what you want. And if there's something that you, you know, if you're going to blow up because of allergies, because of something, just don't put it in there. I don't like onions. And it was red onions that you could, you know, put on top of your barbecue flatbread pizza. Uh, and, and I chose not to do the onions. Uh, and that's the, you can make each dinner, each dish your own, put your own spin on it, you know? And if you have picky eaters like we do, uh, then, then, you know, there's certain things that, that the kids aren't going to eat and you can, uh, you can just not use that as you prepare your dinner from dinner affair. Yeah. And we had a pod Pete, Lisa, who reached out and she said she has been loving dinner affair because her kids are making the meals. Her daughters are. And this is a great idea. These kits are super easy to use. There's five, six different, you know, steps to do it. Um, everything's already, you know, with the chicken, like we've said, it's pre-cut, it's pre-washed, it's ready to go. Um, and so she's been kind of once a week giving them one of the dinner film affair meals, letting them kind of pick it out and say, okay, you girls are in charge of dinner tonight. And she was saying the cleanup is super easy that they thought they had figured out something new that the butcher paper that it comes in, you just keep all of your stuff on there, wrap all your trash in the butcher paper. And she said, no, that's part of dinner affair. So again, you're also not going to go through 14 pots and pans, destroy your kitchen, this is super, super easy meal prep and really, really good quality ingredients. $30 off your first order. The promo code is CADDY2021. CADDY is C-A-D-D-Y 2021 at dinneraffair.com. You store the fresh ingredient meals in your freezer for any time. Uh, and you always have a fresh home-cooked meal ready when you need it most. Dinneraffair.com, dinneraffair.com. Hit the subscribe button. This is number one. Do it right now. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything coming up. Uh, number two, invite and encourage three people in your circle or just complete strangers that you run into today to enjoy the podcast. Uh, listen to the end of each episode for outtakes and notes from executive producer Carl Appen and uh, show the sponsors some love. There would be no My Second Act without uh, the love of Gallery Furniture and Gainesville. And we'll see you there this Saturday from noon to four. We'll talk about that coming up in segment three and dinner affair, dinner, A-F-A-R-E dot com. Oh, and, and keep the reviews yes, coming. We got a yes, new review. Yes, we got a new review. Yeah, we're over uh 500 and wonderful. something now. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And those help. They help people to find the podcast. Yeah. Makes right? us feel good. Uh, we're going to add two songs as we do each episode to the Donna and Caddy Spotify hype song playlist. Ladies first. Uh, okay. I am adding Walker Hayes. And the new song is called Fancy Like. If you don't know Walker, he wrote uh, You Broke Up With Me. He is, he, he's like, he's cool. His, you know, we added, um, we added a song to the other, to the first. From his mixtape. Yeah. Project. And his music is very like uh, hip hop country, mm -hmm. but it's not that goofy hip hop country. It's like really good. Do you hear a little bit of Sam Hunt? A little bit. Yeah. And, and with Walker Hayes and Walker Hayes and Sam Hunt. Yeah, yeah. But it's more his lyrics and what he puts together. So the new song is called Fancy Like and, um, it started the craze of it started because he filmed a TikTok video with his daughter. And if you don't know, Walker Hayes has six kids. Six. Six kids. And I mean from three years old up to probably 18 or something. Um, and he's young. I mean, you would think someone with like six kids would be like haggard. I mean, this is a good looking man. And he can shake it, ladies. Let me tell you, unlike this TikTok thing, he's got it going on. He, he invented this dance with his daughter. 
And so now it's like taking over um, TikTok and everybody's doing the uh, fancy light dance. Do you remember the conversation we had recently about Drew Parker? Yes. And about how BP, PBR, he could have easily written uh, the BR Guide to the Corner Market. This song from Walker Hayes, Fancy Like, is another example of being specific in your lyrics because that makes people recall the song. Uh, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. A date night got that bourbon street steak with the Oreo shake. I mean, you can't get more specific than the bourbon street steak from Applebee's. Uh, get some whipped cream on the top two, two straws, one check. Girl, I got you. Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam, squeak squeaking in the truck bed all the way home. I mean, you can see that. You can you can hear that as he 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 sings it. The styrofoam coolers, which aren't around anymore. I know, we it kind of makes me want some natty light. You know, I mean, and what did the styrofoam ca- coolers do? They squeaked everywhere that you went. You know, it was yeah. styrofoam on styrofoam. I think that's a category. I'll check that out, Carl. Thank you for sharing your Pornhub Premium password with me. Um, what, do you, what did you just say? Nothing. Some Alabama Jamma, She My Dixieland Delight. All that's how we do, how we do fancy like. Yeah. Now, I'm reading some comments about the song, and there is a little... Uh, there's backlash. I mean, there's a little bit, you know. It's it's a very pop, and and Walker's always been this way. It's a very pop presentation with Walker. He's a very good looking guy. Uh, he's a family man. Last I saw Walker Hayes, he played the Buckhead Theater. This was pre pandemic, um, and they rotate the kids to go oh, on yeah. tour with him. Yeah. Um, and his wife Lainey was actually here in Atlanta for the Buckhead Theater show. A lot of the spouses and families would come to the Atlanta shows because it's a four hour bus ride and it's a get out of town family gathering type and and while most artists have like in their road cases or their casters you have your you know production equipment and your speakers and things they had a uh, backstage had a roller case uh set up and it had xbox and so the kids sit back there and and play xbox while all the adults are you know hanging out pre-show backstage that's great to keep them occupied and and so i know nothing about xbox but i remember there were a couple people from the station that would play the kids you know Walker is also an alcoholic, and we talk about substance abuse quite a bit uh, on the podcast. Um, he does not currently drink, but uh, you're always an alcoholic. Yeah, he's very and, vocal. And he's too. very, very transparent about yeah. that and the struggles every day um, that he has with staying sober. And he writes about it in a lot of his songs. And um, you know, to be able to stand backstage three, four nights a week with radio people who are for the most part drunks and, and serve them unlimited copious amounts of alcohol and to stand there and have conversations with these people and basically work them. You know, you want your, you want airplay on your song. Um, that's got to be a whole nother layer of, of challenge in his day. You know, there's nothing worse than being the sober person in the group when everybody else is falling down. Well, it's very tough for artists. We've talked about this before, like Keith Urban, um, people have, you know, certain artists have different ways of um, coping with their addiction. And I know for Keith, it is to, um, he does a very tight, very scheduled uh, pre-performance meet and greet where, you know, he plays a couple of songs. And a lot of artists are doing that now instead of the traditional meet and greets. They do more of like a, almost like a pre-mini concert. But um, he has said that it's 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 a challenge. And sometimes, you know, it's really important for those artists who they bring on the road with them that you're not going to bring some huge party band because it's going to it's going to cause problems. 
you know, and as an artist, it's incredibly, you're, you're, like you said, you're playing in bars, you're playing in arenas. It's, that's a hard thing to do. A lot of artists bring um, sober coaches mm-hmm. with them. People used to think that was just for rock bands, but um, I know for a long time, Keith had someone who did that, um, who stayed with him on the road just to kind of keep him involved in things that didn't lead down those paths because that, that's tough. That's tough to be out there every night and, you know, not participate. Fancy Light from Walker Hayes, uh, Country Stuff is the EP where you're going to find it. He dropped it June 4th, and Jake Owen is on there. And he does something with Carly Pierce, too, who just this week was invited to join the Grand Ole Opry yeah. by Dolly. Dolly Very pops sweet. into the Opry, which yeah. doesn't happen all that often. Um, and Lori McKenna, fantastic songwriter. So uh, check that one out. I was watching James Corden the other night, and um, he was teasing his musical guest. And they were the Black Pumas. Now, you tell me we've had conversations on the podcast about the Black Pumas. I don't remember that. Carl, have we not? Yes. And you said, I wouldn't know them if they hit me in a van on 400. You had no idea who they were. And I said, they're amazing. We talked about them from the Grammys. We talked about Did them. Did we? Yep. They're coming to Music Midtown. Are I they? said, they're one of my favorite bands. And you're just like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Okay. Well, I was paying attention. And let me tell you something. They're on fire. They're amazing. They are. I, I downloaded the EP that night, like at one thirty after their performance got done. They were the last segment on James Corden. Um, they saw a twenty twenty one Grammy, what <laughs> nomination well, I, for Song yeah. of the Year for Colors, which is the song I'm going to add. I came out because um, you haven't been sleeping great, as we know from the previous okay, pod with your medicine, and you're jamming to the Black Pum- at like I two was. in the morning. Charlotte, our fifteen year old, now we're having a dance party in the den. It's just it's feel good music. Yeah, no, it like is. you dance. I'm not a dancer at all um and 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 th- their music triggers you to get up and do a shuffle ball step like mm. just you know wherever you are at the time that you hear it i do believe that the black pumas were uh why we started talking about the uh white shoes in music being town for exactly. yep. okay all right uh they're, lab- they're, they're labeled a psychedelic soul band and they're based in austin texas yeah they're fabulous i was very impressed with them seriously and um Okay, wait a minute. Is this the conversation where you talked about Eric Burton, the lead singer, and he was shilling? Busking, yes, rather? busking. Okay. On the Santa Monica Pier like six years ago. Yeah. And now they're getting Grammy nominations. Exactly. That was the exact conversation. All right. So um, those are your two songs. Check it out on Spotify, the Hype Song Playlist. Yeah, I want to take a minute, too, to talk about um, Dirk Bentley. And um, I sent you this post that you know he had put on Instagram, and I thought this was really good. We're going to put this in the letter this week, but he has... Um, he is a fan that has followed him forever and has been like in his fan club and her name is Bailey and she lost her um, battle with cancer recently but what he, what he wrote I thought was incredible because this is the difference between country artists and some other formats and it is the relationship that they have with their fans and what they will do and Dirk's he knew Bailey I mean because she came to a ton of his events and would come to backstages and Dirk's is one of those people who you and I know this. He's very he he remembers you. He 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 knows you know he he knows what's going on. But I thought just this this just this. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'll post it. But this is pretty good. It says up until a month ago, I thought that the free gigs led to the gigs where I got paid in beer and then tips on lower Broadway, to the clubs and theaters, working my way up towards bigger crowds and the biggest shows at MSG, which is Madison Square Garden, and Bridgestone Arena and my hometown arena in Phoenix. Seeing now that I had it upside down. Those big shows were all just preparation for my most important show, for an audience of one. The phrase honored and humbled gets used a lot, but it is the only one appropriate for how it felt to be included by this family and be able to spend this past weekend with them, Bailey, 
her friends, and her dogs, Arlo and Arnie. And he goes on to thank some of the other artists who sent some stuff for her, some videos. And he said, Bailey's father said to me, it's never too late to make a lifelong friend. Nothing could be more true for me and my friend Bailey, God bless. And she lost her battle with cancer, and he was actually there in the room with her, unfortunately, as she was kind of leaving Earth. And there she had asked, you know, her family had asked if he would come and play some of his music for her. And, I mean, what a tribute, you know. And for him, he spent the whole weekend there with the family. And that's that's where the rubber meets the road for artists who, you know, there's a lot of people that talk the talk. But, I mean, when it really comes down to it, um, and it wasn't for him it wasn't for him to get accolades it wasn't and the only reason I heard because you can say well I posted on Instagram the only reason he posted on Instagram is because her family posted it and so some people were asking who was this person and what was his connection they thought that Bailey was like a family member and so he posted to just kind of explain that she had been this lifelong fan of his and that and a friend and a friend and that you know I just think what he said is so true that the things that you think or what music is getting you to, you know, selling out Madison Square Garden, you know, being getting a Grammy. Really, at the end of the day, it's about that connection, you know, with the fans and what you can do for them. So I just thought it was a beautiful post, and he's a great guy. No, he is. One of the most underrated artists uh, in, in all formats, all, all genres of music. About a decade ago, I was made aware of a, a, a young man named Colin, and Colin had a, uh, a heart defect. And he was at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta for a long, long time. Dirks was doing a show at Lake Leonard Islands at the time, which is a beautiful uh, facility, family place. Um, you know, north about 40 miles north of Atlanta on Lake Lanier. Colin is a huge Dirks Bentley fan. And Kara, his mother, had reached out to me and just said, hey, we bought tickets to the show. Do you think you could reach out to Dirks and see if, if, if he would have time to say hello to to Colin and I said absolutely so I ring Dirks and explained to him what was going on he said dude absolutely um the backstage area for this particular show was a houseboat that they had docked you know on the, the banks of Lanier and so I met Kara and and Colin and and we went onto the houseboat and Dirks was um I just stepped back and watched him interact with Colin and I remember him saying Colin what song can I play for you tonight and it was like an obscure album cut from Dirks Bentley uh ensure is the world during his show, Dirks not only called out Colin, but uh, he played that song for him. Yeah. Fast forward uh, a few weeks, Colin had a heart surgery at, at Choa. Dirks calls Colin before and after the surgery on his own time. You know, by this point, as, as a radio personality, I wasn't even involved. You know, uh, Dirks took this on his himself. Colin had always wanted a skateboard because or to be able to ride a skateboard but because of his condition um he wasn't able to and after the surgery if i recall he could and so dirk sent colin skateboards helmets yeah and everything uh to his home yeah. um and and colin we lost colin uh, about three years ago i believe and i sent dirk a text and just you know said hey man just want to make you aware uh thank you so much for changing this kid's life you know and he would just light up now I made a mistake during this entire thing and encouraged listeners to send get well cards to this young man. And while you're thinking, well, Cadillac, that's a, that's a great thing to do. Why do you say that that was a mistake? I, the entire time we were doing this, thought his name was Colin, C-U-L-L-E-N. And so 
Colin gets about 500 cards at Choa addressed to Colin. Okay, I had a tear in my eye on this whole story, and then you just, this is just nuts. I mean, really. Okay. But it's the truth. I mean, I, I, oh, boy. people thought I was saying Colin, but people thought I was saying Colin. I kind of remember this, yeah. like when you were saying yeah. that word. But yeah. he was so thankful and appreciative. Yeah, and Dirks in general is, a, you know, again, a great person to follow on Instagram. He is living in Colorado now. We've kind of talked about this before. He's living in um, Telluride, and he bikes like unbelievable amounts um it's it's crazy the stuff he's doing rappelling off mountains mountain biking he's taking up skateboarding and um it's just he's he's a fun follow but great guy you know there are a lot of those people in country music but there are some real gems who like him who really take the time to get to know people so all right let's wrap the music obligation portion of the podcast uh, we teased the heart won't lie from reben vince we're going to scratch that because i basically gave you the entire story i will just pop in really quick too Please. when we uh when we talked about big loud the other really notable jake owen because i'm big oh, loud okay uh also mason ramsey your favorite yep famous the favorite He's the walmart yodeling guy right and uh i will also say so big loud has obviously like their their publishing and their their actual as the record company but they also have a little bit of artist development and notable they uh signed florida georgia line back in the day yes that okay is true. that's right yes yeah clay honeycutt absolutely with uh with big loud thank you carl of course you were in a you loved you wanted me to go see morgan ramsey somewhere i'm just like i don't have a file for this this little boy that yodels i just don't get it well let me give you a little information about yeah uh on an upcoming episode of the ben burnett podcast google that um i'm going to join ben and the guest is Corey crowder who is one of the best songwriters in nashville right now uh you want to talk about most hits that are coming out of nashville right now have Corey um Corey's foot or handprints all over them including uh the what's his name the kid the little yodeler Morgan Ramsey, Mason Ramsey, Mason C, Mason Ramsey. Uh, Remember he'd he wear those little famous. outfits. He'd, I do. He'd I've wear met those him several little times. Uh, Porter Wagner outfits, yeah. and I mean, I was just like, I, this is weird. Well, and Big Loud tried to recast him too, and it didn't work. I don't know where he is now. He may be at Dollywood doing a matinee somewhere. But um, you know, his family was just overwhelmed, and I remember meeting his grandmother at the Buckhead Theater uh, at a show that that Mason did there, and uh, she was just the nicest woman in the world but had no idea what had was a going little on. purse with her because the next day they were flying to vegas for the academy of country music awards where he performed with florida georgia line because there, there's the big loud connection again as, as we say on this podcast there's always a reason you maybe have to dig for it but you may be thinking why the why would florida georgia line be performing with the odling kid well because they're on the same label and and both tyler and brian of fgl had a financial interest in the label so that's wasn't the, the grandmother kind of in charge of him too Yes, she yes. raised him. It was a mess. Yeah. But like well, out on the road. We don't know that no, it was a mess. I mean, out on the road, though. Yeah. Oh, the, she she had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And the record rep would say to me, listen, we're kind of, they're they're going into this blind. Because he went viral. I mean, he just suddenly blew up when the, the video of him at Walmart yodeling popped. You well, know? I think he they were trying to pitch him as kind of like the country Justin Bieber. Like they were going to find take. him. Yeah, that didn't take. But I mean, I, he's adorable. I just was like, I, I have no desire to see him at the Buckhead Theater and listen to this child yodel. Okay, well, he didn't yodel, Donna. He put on a show, and he was the opening act for someone else. I mean, I didn't specifically go to see the yodeling kid. All right. All right, but he was he was a he was a, a moment in pop culture history, right? I mean, you can't argue that. Sure, and we talk about it all the time. Like everybody has different people that you know you like, and you know, I mean, I don't I don't dislike him. I just didn't want to see him yodel. 
Okay. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, Hartwell and I were going to scratch that. 93 was the year. Well, I mean, you kind of left us hanging. Well, it's Kenny Rogers. Kenny, Kenny Rogers had originally gone in and recorded the Vince Gill portion of that huge hit, The Heart Won't Lie from Reba. And for whatever reason, Kenny, I don't know if he missed his marks or the vocals just didn't mesh like Reba in her mind thought that they would. So rather than call Kenny on her flip phone and say, Kenny, um, listen, it just it's not working. She didn't do that. And so she invited Vince Gill to come in and record the song. And then they released it and it shot up the charts, became a number one hit. And Kenny Rogers is sitting at home scratching his beard saying, what the hell? Where, where, where I thought I was on this song. Reba should have reached out to him and she admits that now, but she didn't. So at the CMAs, the Country Music Association Awards, like, you know, three, four months later, Kenny <laughs> finds Reba in the audience uh, and, and, and says, what the hell? Was he kidding or he was serious? No, at the time? he was very serious. It's a story I've been told. He was oh. very serious. He was he was pissed. I bet Kenny could get mad. Yeah. Yeah. So he was wanting to know where his vocals were. Have you um no. have you ever been to a Vince Gill concert? Tell, I've napped through Tell a Vince people Gill how concert. long that will last. Yeah, it's about three hours of the Omni. I mean, I damn. Mean, he just keeps going. Yeah, it's like unplugged. Someone unplugged. The power. Now, he's a fabulous artist, but I mean, like, when he gets rest high on that mountain, it's like, wow. Okay. And in concert, he does like an extended 18 minute version. Yeah. And that's the death song. You know, literally, it's a song, the, the song about death. Yeah. And you felt bad getting up and going to get a liquor drink because there were people that had a connection oh, to that yeah. song because to, like, they played climb. it at Papa's funeral. Right. And you, you know? got to climb over their lap uh, and you're like, well, excuse I'm going me. to get a liquor drink. Yeah. You know, I, this song does not connect with me at this point in my life. It, maybe it will later and yeah. I'll be you and someone's going to be climbing over my lap to go get a liquor drink when sure. I'm trying to focus and think of Papa. Correct. I want to say hi to Rusty with United Towing based here in Alpharetta. They're the big uh, tow company. They have the contract for uh, the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety. So if you're ever in a wreck or something like that, then from riding with Richie, um, I didn't, they, they have 20 minutes to get to a, an accident in the city. Like they're timed. Uh, Rusty didn't get to me in 20 minutes, but we were fine. And that's cool. Uh, our 17 year old daughter, Olivia blew a tire last yeah. night. Uh, she was on her way home from, from seeing her boyfriend, Jack. And luckily it didn't happen on 400. She was, didn't, it was right off 400 and windward parkway, which is a huge, uh, road in, in the Alpharetta, Georgia area. And she was able to pull into a business complex. Well, it was dark. And so I went and then scooped her and, um, it was dark. So I couldn't see the tire, but I just assumed that there was rim damage to the tire. And so rather than investigate that and change a tire, I just thought, you know what? I'll come back tomorrow and I'll call United and we'll have it towed and get a tire. Well, Rusty pulls up. It was like an hour and a half ago. Like, I'm sweaty. It's hot. You know, I don't, I, I, all the respect in the world of the people that work outside and do like hard labor. Uh, and I was just standing there watching him. You know, Rusty was doing all the work. But he shows up and uh, I said, Hey, do you, do you think that tire is salvageable? Knowing that it was, of course. And um, he said, Yeah, I think it is. Do you have a spare? I said, Shit, I don't know, Rusty. And so he finds, okay. Hey, okay. he right. finds a full size Michelin spare in, in the undercarriage yep. and he changes the tire. Was he like, you couldn't do this? No, because I told him it was dark and, you know, I just, I didn't feel safe in the parking lot at night when it was dark. But like when he came and it was light today, was he like, do you want to change? Yeah, I told him, well, to cover my ass, I said, you know, I hadn't had a chance to walk down here and look at it quite yet. Mm -hmm. But seeing it now in the daylight for the first time, I'm wondering, Rusty, if that tire is not salvageable, what do you think, cowboy? 
So we had a lot of conversations, and uh, Rusty loves his guns. He goes noodling at Lake Alatoona, uh, okay. which, which is what? What is that? It's where you stick your hand in a hole, and something bites your hand, and it's a fish, Don. I don't know where your head's at. I'm and then, not, and then you, pull, you pull the fish out. You haven't seen the reality shows? Well, you just pull it out barehanded? Yes. Well, they wear gloves. Rusty what if it's like a catfish and it bites you? Uh, he said that he has a friend of his who lost the top one-fifth of three fingers by a snapping turtle about three weeks ago. You got all this out of him today. Just we were together this. 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, he, um, yeah, he loves his guns, and and he was very, um, very vocal about that. That they'd better not try to come and take his guns. Who's they? Uh, Biden. Oh, okay. So, they yeah. called him out by name. All I right. said, listen, but I said they're walking across the border right now, and they're coming to get your guns. So, yeah. Just get him all. I, I up. was. I was. Yeah. Hey, why are you why are you here? If you don't mind, check my oil. You know, I'm going to pull up behind you here, you know, because the, the tow trucks these days, it's like an ambulance for your car. I mean, yeah, they, have they have everything, everything, you know, and I went to the ATM across the street and got him a little cash. But have, what could have been hundreds of dollars in tow charges and new tire charges wound up to be seventy five dollars. Today is a good day. That Amen. is a good day. Have you ever changed a tire? I've not. Never in your entire life. Uh, you know, Donna, you, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It is a little emasculating, though, to be standing there in front of an office building when, you know, people are. um looking outside because a tow truck suddenly has arrived people are like what how was there a wreck is what mm-hmm. people are thinking and they're looking out the window and they're like that man's the tow truck driver is standing next to the man who clearly owns the vehicle and he's changing his tire that man's watching him sweat and change his tire can that yeah. man not change a tire i thought there was rent damage that's what i'm going with but um you know olivia when this happened she was so worried about the tire I'm yeah. so sorry. And she was so apologetic. This is the first time she's been driving for, you know, two years. This is the first, um, yeah, the speed bump that, that she's had, you know, and she was so worried. And we both said, Olivia, we the care. only thing that matters is, it is you're safe? yeah. Yeah. You have to keep, and, and you know, the, this goes into that category. And we say this all the time of things that you think your kids know and they don't. And I, I said to her last night, I go, people get flat tires all the time. It's not a big deal. You did the right thing. And But I was thinking about later, like even with Charlotte, who's now starting to drive, you almost have to talk to them, too, about what do you do? What if that had happened on 400? You know, because they don't know. I'll never forget, a friend of mine told me her son was involved in an accident. He was just gotten his license, 16. And he drove off. He was so scared that he was going to get in trouble when the police came. He didn't know. He just drove off and came home. And he was like, hey, I was in an accident. And I hit this woman. And they're like. Well, did you get all of information? He goes, no, I just drove off. And they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But it's that, it's all of that stuff that we think our kids are so mature and they know all this stuff. Right. And, and they do kind you of. You think it's pretty basic information. Yeah, because anything they can Wikipedia, they know. We, you know, if I hear one time, like if I don't know how to do something, Olivia's like, just WikiHow it. I'm like, what, who, what, who is the wiki? Who's wiki? What is the WikiHow? You know? But you have to tell them these things. And it becomes more apparent every day as a parent that, um, I'll give you another example. You ready for this one? Please. A friend of mine, her daughter goes to school at UGA. Now, this may fall into the category that we coddle all of our children too much, but goes to the bookstore, buys all these books or whatever she has to get, gives them her credit card that her parents have given her. The card is declined, probably because it hadn't been activated or she's in Athens or whatever. Instead of calling the bank and finding out what's going on, she gets in her car, drives home, arrives back into her parents' driveway and says, I can't go to school because I don't think I have any money. They're like, what? 
And she's like, I went to the bookstore. I get book it, though. I'd have done the same thing. She said, I went to the bookstore, and I tried to use my card. And, and she, they were like, did you call it? They, like, she drove from Athens yeah. all the way home. Well, I've told the story about Coastal Carolina when I enrolled at Coastal Carolina University in Myrtle Beach when I was working in radio. And my mom, the one thing that she made me agree to in order to move to Myrtle Beach at 18 years old and work in radio was I had to go to school during the day. And the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina uh, I was registered, and it was very much a, a commuter college at the time. There were no dorms at the time at Coastal Carolina. And so I got in my car the first day of class, and I drove to campus, and I couldn't find a parking spot. And I did three laps. And then I just turned around and got back on 501 and drove back to my apartment and never withdrew or took my books back. So I was registered. I was a student at Coastal Carolina for about six and a half minutes. Just so you know, mm-hmm. whenever some- so I can relate to the little girl in, in, in her books. The kids always say, like, when somebody's like, where did your mom tell me, go? Tell me what the yeah. kids say. They say, when they when someone says, where did, you know, tell me about your parents. Like, where did your mom go to school? Oh, she went to the University of Georgia. She graduated with a journalism degree, blah, 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 blah. Where did your dad go to school? Oh, he went to Coastal Carolina, and he told us the story. He drove around, like, two, three times. He couldn't find a parking place, and he quit. Ran home, went to bed. But they always say. Do you know what they say? I but, I mean, it ended up okay, because, like, he, yeah. he went into radio, like, yeah. when he was, like, 18. I also went to Western Carolina for a year. Mm-hmm. And I think when I left Western, I had negative credits. I don't know how that's possible, but if anybody's going to have negative credits, it would have been me. You owed them classes. Yes, no kidding. A lot. All right. Uh, this Saturday is going to be a good time. If uh, you have a few minutes, come on out and join us. Uh, the Red, White, and Blue All-American Pre-Fourth of July Parking Lot Party without Lee Bryce. This is Gallery Furniture. Ask for the Wolfman. Ask for Donna. 1600 Browns Pedro, Gainesville. Uh, for the entire month of June, uh, gallery furniture is going to be selecting two lucky winners to have their orders refunded entirely and paid for that's amazing so donna is going to reward you and thank you for shopping locally at gallery furniture in gainesville and don't think this is one of the con- those contests where you're like oh nobody wins i'm not gonna have a chance you have an amazing chance here come out saturday buy furniture that you probably already need spend money and you have a really good shot at getting your money back um so give it a try. If you, if there's things you need, we've talked about it before. Maybe you're kind of like, you know, I don't need furniture, but I do need mattresses for my beds. Come out. Or I would enjoy a free hot dog. Bacon wrap. Make the trip. I'd love to meet Donna from Gallery. Come out. Just come out. I guarantee you're going to find something you want. We're going to record a bonus episode of the My Second Act podcast while we're there. Probably going to start around 1 o'clock. Uh, very unpredictable. Uh, we've never done this before, but it's going to be uh, a whole lot of fun. Uh, shop now pay later you can also take it home if you find it and whatnot if you're going to find it so when do you find it on the showroom floor uh, we'll strap it down and you can ride it home gallery furniture 1600 browns bridge road gainesville this saturday from noon to four um listen for time we're gonna have to bump the story about the doctor that removed the wrong testicle we'll pick that up for the next episode that's what you call tease right there how does that happen it, uh, you're gonna find out next don't episode. they mark that stuff they with do. a sharpie they do yes so yes. do they come in and say, sir, we're uh, taking your right testicle? You are now completely sterile, sir. Thank you. That's pretty much the conversation. I wonder if they said, we're taking your testicle, right? Get it? And he's like, yes. And then. like Again, punctuation is everything like we talked about last episode. Seriously. Yeah. Like, you know how men are. Like, he's like, he's probably, I guarantee. Power men, I don't know. Well, here's what he probably said. He's probably laying in the bed with his gown, with his nerves hanging out. And they're like, okay, we're taking your right testicle, right? He's like, I don't know. Ask my wife, where's my wife? Because, you know, men never know. Like, and, then they, and then they're like, right? And she's like, right. Right. And yes. it was his left nut. I guarantee you yeah. that's what happened. We'll find out next episode. Uh, executive producer Carl Appen. Uh, what do we got? Nothing. <laughs> that's about it. I mean, how does Carl follow that up? Very well, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That's it. 
Okay, well, this is very like, you know, at the end. When do uh, when do new episodes come out? Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yes. Of what show? The My Second Act Podcast. And we are proud to be part of the App and Podcast Network. Well done, Carl. Mm-hmm.